Praise God and welcome to Genesis One Christian Ministries. We're so delighted to have you join us today to partake in God's word. And before we get into scripture, let's pray. Lord God, Jehovah, most awesome and wonderful Lord God, we just praise your most magnificent name, Lord God. And I just want to thank you for this opportunity to share your words with everyone that's listening, Lord God. Father God, I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you would prepare our hearts and our minds and our spirits to receive your words today, Lord God, and that they would get sunken deep within our spirits so that they can come bubbling up, Lord God, whenever the enemy raises his ugly head. Lord God, I pray that these words that come forward, that they would be your words, Lord God, and that they would bring glory and honor and praise to you and only you, Lord God, for you are worthy to be glorified and lifted up, Lord God. Take this message where you will, for your glory, for your honor, and for your praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Well, praise God once again. Welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. And uh, before we get into scripture, as you've, uh, if you've heard our messages before, uh, as I like to always say, you know, take a moment and pause this message if you don't have your Bibles with you. And go grab your Bible and maybe a pad and a pen, something to write with, in case you want to jot down some notes. And then come back and resume this message because... Uh, especially uh, always, though, but especially now in, in these times that we're living in, it's so important for us to see for ourselves what scripture what scripture actually says so that you're not taking any man's word for it. But you can see for yourself what scripture what scripture has to say. So, well, praise God. Let's dive into scripture here. And we're going to go to the book of Colossians and we're going to go to Colossians chapter two. Colossians chapter 2, and we're going to go to verse number 8. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. Now, I'm going to read that scripture, those scriptures again there, 8 through 10. I'm going to read those from the Amplified here because I want you to see what this says because this is a warning to us. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, pseudo-intellectual babble according to the tradition and musings of mere men, following the elementary principles of this world rather than following the truth, the teachings of Christ. For in him, all the fullness of, of deity, the Godhead, dwells in bodily form, completely expressing the divine essence of God. And in him, you have, made, you have been made complete, achieving spiritual stature in, through Christ. And he is the head over all rule and uh, overall rule and authority over every angelic and earthly power. OK, the main scripture that I really want to focus on there is is verse number 10 where it says you are complete in him and what i want to talk about today is being a well-rounded believer all right a well-rounded believer these scriptures here serve as a warning that people are going to take the principles and philosophies of this world and try to make those out to be biblical principles to, to try to say that the world's view of how we should live our lives and the world's view of what righteousness is, that that is, is, is the truth. And they will share their own truth versus what the truth in scripture actually says. Okay. 
the, the, the deception is out there will twist the word of God to match the world's belief of what righteousness is and paint an inaccurate view of what Chris, of being a Christian is all about. All right. We can't allow ourselves to get pulled into this deception and therefore we have to be a well-rounded believer. Verse number 10, as it talks about being complete in him, what this simply means is that when we became saved at the price that Jesus Christ, uh, 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 that Jesus paid the price for our sins, meaning that when we slip and stumble and we get away from what the word of God says is righteous, is that we can then go to God through Jesus Christ and ask for forgiveness and he will actually forgive us. That's what that scripture means. It doesn't mean that, that, that we are perfect. It doesn't mean that we, we, we don't slip and stumble at times. We do. It just means that when we do, we have somewhere we can go where we can actually be, where we can actually repent. We don't have to perform the rituals that were outlined in the Old Testament in order to be forgiven. That's what it means when, it, when, when we're talking about being well-rounded. It does not, or, or, or being complete. It does not, however, mean that we are well-rounded, Okay. Being complete just means that we are in Jesus Christ. We can ask him for forgiveness as through him, ask God for forgiveness when we, when we stumble, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we are a well-rounded believer. Miriam Webster, the term well-rounded means fully or broadly developed, such as having a broad educational background. So when we are well-rounded believers, we have a broad and an in-depth knowledge of what the word of God says. And we have to examine multiple aspects of our lives to ensure that each aspect of our lives is aligning with the word of God, with what the word of God says. Not with what man says, but what, what the word of God says. I'm going to give you six different things that we need to look at in our lives to ensure that, that we are well-rounded believers. All right. And I'm going to give you all six right right now so that if you have to, 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 if you can't listen to this entire message, you can come back to it and, 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 and pick up where you left off. But I'm going to give you those six up front and then we're going to go through and we're going to look at them. All right. Now, of course, as being a believer means that you've accepted Jesus Christ. And so he's your personal Lord, your Lord and Savior, and you've been saved. When that happens, we have to change how we think. Okay, so that's one aspect we need to look at is having a changed mind. We also, the second one is to allow Holy Spirit to be active in our lives. The third one is studying the Bible and acting accordingly. The fourth one is praying constantly. Number five is seeking spiritual gifts. And number six is engaging in spiritual warfare. And we're going to get into all of these now, but in order to be fully developed, these are the different aspects in our lives that we must examine. And these are the different things that we must do after we become saved. Now, starting off with that first one, the first one is having a changed mind. Turn to the book of Romans. Romans chapter eight. And we're going to go to verse number one. Okay. Romans chapter eight. Verse number one, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit for the law of the, uh, for the law of, excuse me, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh 
on account of sin, he condemns sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be, might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So with Jesus being in the form of man, he showed us what righteous living was all about. He showed us, showed us how we can resist the devil with, 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 with our actions and how we live our lives and, and living a life that's acceptable to God the Father. His death and resurrection also made it possible for us to seek forgiveness from God whenever we stumble. Because the way the law was, while the law outlined actions for, for, for righteous living and righteous behavior, we being mankind could not live up to that, to, the, to that expectation. That's why if you look in Old Testament, you'll see what the sacrifices were for, 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 for sin and, and how um, grueling they were and how involved that, 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 they, that they were. And when Jesus died, those sacrifices, those got done away with. Okay, we, th those already got done. They, those got done away with because Jesus was the last sacrificial lamb. So his shedding of his blood and blood and his resurrection, then when we couldn't uphold righteous living or when we can't uphold righteous living, we can go through God, the father, go to God, the father through Jesus and be able to, 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 to ask for forgiveness. Verse five, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit the things of the spirit for to be for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Underline verse six there. If you don't have it underlined already for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Okay. Couple of things there. One, Living a peaceful life is not difficult if you set your minds on the things of the spirit. If you set your minds on the things that God wants you to set your mind on, then having a peaceful life isn't that difficult. Because at times of turmoil where you're losing that peace, you then you go seek out God's presence and you, and you want God's presence to be made manifest around you. And when his presence is manifest around you and you get that experience, you can no longer focus on those things that are bringing you trouble because God's for his the, the activation of his presence isn't going to bring anything but peace and joy and strength. OK, it's not going to bring about uh, uh, um um, sorrow and despair and fear and any of those things. It's going to bring about peace. Verse six again, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God for it is not subject to the law of God, nor can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot, uh, cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. OK, so if we're living a life where our minds are focused on the things of the spirit, it's also going to bring benefits to our physical bodies as well. Okay? It benefits us physically and spiritually to have our minds focused on the things of God. If we're not focused on the things of God, and, and, and you probably can, we all can attest to this from experience. The more you focus your thoughts on something, 
Okay, the more your thought starts to focus on anything, you pick any topic that there is, the more and more you start to think about that, the more you start to change your behaviors or, or it starts to impact how you act and it impacts the things that you say and it impacts what you, what you do. So if you're constantly focusing on things that are ungodly, naturally what's going to happen is that you're then going to start acting in an ungodly manner. That's what this is talking about. So if I can have my mind focus on the things of God, then I start to act in a godly manner, not in a, in, in a worldly manner. I start to do the things that God says is righteous, not what the world says is righteous. Okay. A changed mind is only possible when God's spirit is living within us. Every single one of us is driven by a set of core values. Every single one of us is driven by some set of core values. And those core values guide everything that we do. They guide who we hang out with. They guide the type of jobs we have, the places we live, the car we drive, how we dress, what we watch on TV, what we eat, who we talk to. Those values drive all of those things. When God's spirit is living within us, our values are then aligned with biblical living because those are what God, that's what God values. Okay. So we have to change our minds to be able to be focused on the things of God, because if we are focusing on the things that are not of God, then what happens is, is that we become an enemy of God and we can, then can't do the things that God wants us to do because uh, um, because then we are not subject to God's laws. We're not subject to what God says is right or wrong. We, we, we are not subject to that because our minds and our actions just can't comprehend why I actually need to change. This is why we, as, as children of God, we should be behaving differently. This is why we should be standing out from the crowd. This is not why we, this is why we shouldn't be just blending in and, and going along with the world. We shouldn't be going along to get along. We should be standing up and saying, no, sorry, but that is wrong. Why is it wrong? Because the word of God says it's wrong. I'm not going to engage in this kind of behavior. I'm not going to say this. I'm not going to go here. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to treat this person that way because doing that is doing that would be carnally minded. And my mind is on the things of God. Therefore, I'm going to act in a way that God wants me to act. Because if I'm acting like the world as a child of God, why would anybody look at me and see God in me? How could they look at me and see the Christ light in me if I'm acting just like the world? How are they then going to even uh, uh, begin thinking about transforming who they are and accepting Jesus Christ if they look at us as believers and see us doing every single thing that the world is doing? All right. And that's how that and, and, and the need for us to stand out for God. OK, that need. Is something that, and, and as you do that, it's not always a comfortable place to be in. And because of that, people will then twist scripture to try to say you need to be acceptance because acceptant of the world because here's what scripture says. And they will twist it to try to match that so that you become like them and that they become like the world. Because if we all can blend in and we all could get along, then no one's going to get offended. Nobody's going to be upset. I'm going to have a whole lot of friends. No one is going to be mad at me. But by doing that, you then create uh, uh, an enmity excuse me, between you and God. All right. So we have to stand out and do the things that God wants us to do. The well-rounded believer also allows Holy Spirit to be active in their life. Turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter one, and we're going to go to verse number four. Okay. 
And we saw Holy Spirit was talked a little bit about in, 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 in our previous scriptures there in, in Romans, but we have to make sure he's active in our lives. So Acts chapter one, verse number four. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Okay, now Jesus is telling them here, all right, he's telling them, don't leave and go on this new mission until you receive Holy Spirit. Now, if you remember back in, 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 in scripture there, uh, in the account of Jesus' life, Jesus didn't start his ministry until after he was baptized, because when he was at that time, when he was baptized, that's when the Bible says that uh, uh, the spirit of God descended like a dove. And then a voice from heaven came and said, uh, a voice from heaven was heard saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well, in whom I'm well pleased. All right. So that spirit of God that was descending, that was Holy Spirit that was descending on Jesus because Jesus needed the power of the Holy Spirit in order to be able to do his, his actions, to be able to go through about his ministry. Holy Spirit plays a big role in our lives. So this is why Jesus or should play a big role in our lives. This is why Jesus is telling them, don't go anywhere until you get baptized by Holy Spirit. Verse number six. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Okay. So what you see there is Holy Spirit gives us power. Okay, he does many things for us. But in verse eight there, you see, he gives us power. It's his power that allows for the working of miracles to take place. Okay, it's his power. It was the power of Holy Spirit that cast out demons when Jesus was going out and casting out demons. Okay, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that put everything to an existence when God said, let there be light. It was that power of the Holy Spirit that then created that light. So Holy Spirit needs to be active in our lives. It's his power that also guides us, or it is he that guides us in various situations. He guides us on what we should pray as our intercessor. And you can see that in Romans chapter 8, 26. He comforts us and reveals truth. You can see that in John 14, verse 17. Because Holy Spirit reveals truth, he also reveals our sins so that we can seek repentance. Okay. That's why Jesus said blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is the unpardonable sin, a sin which you can't be forgiven because when you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you have given what Holy Spirit's power does and you've given that credit to Satan. Okay, you've given that credit to Satan. That's the example that Jesus was. That's what Jesus was talking about when he was being accused of casting out demons by Beelzebub. And he's saying that's the unpardonable sin, because when you commit that sin, you can no longer hear from Holy Spirit. And if you can't hear from Holy Spirit, then you can't ask God for forgiveness because Holy Spirit, you can't hear him telling you, you messed up. Come on back. Repent and all will be well. Repent and you will be forgiven. Repent and I will wash you of your sins. He can't do that because you've blasphemed them. Now you've basically you turned off the radio to him. Your spirit can't be in, 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 in tune with, with Holy Spirit. So he's the one that reveals our sins so that we can seek repentance. He's also the one that gives us strength. 
just like he did to Elijah when Elijah was running from the threat of Jezebel in the cave, okay? He strengthened him to be able to, 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 to go out and, and continue on his mission. Holy Spirit also gives us life. And you can see that in Ezekiel 37 when Ezekiel was prophesying to the bones, okay? Holy Spirit gives us life. It's the life of the Spirit. That, that, that breath of life comes from Holy Spirit that, that infills us and it gives us and it gives us life. Allowing Holy Spirit to have an active role in our lives is crucial for us as Christians, but it's something that is often overlooked. We tend to settle for doing the basics such as reading the Bible, praying, and going to church. We don't allow Holy Spirit to really operate in our lives, typically because it's out of fear. Now you may say, well, wait a minute. The Word of God says that God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. So, how could I be fearful if I don't have holy? If, if how can I be expressing fear and showing fear by not allowing Holy Spirit to be to be active in my life? Well, the re, the, the reason is is that when you start looking at what Holy Spirit does, and we and I just mentioned a few different things that He tells us the truth. He's our intercessor. He gives us power. It's His power that 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 performs miracles or that allows the miracles to happen. When you start really tapping into Holy Spirit and you start to let Holy Spirit guide you, things start to look differently and things start to happen differently around you. And many Christians start to fear that power of the Holy Spirit. They start to fear that because they think that it puts a bigger target, a bigger target on their back. Okay? And we forget that when we became saved, we put a target on our backs, right? The enemy doesn't like us for being saved. He hates us because he hates what we represent. Okay? He hates the fact that we get to spend eternity with God and he doesn't because he decided to exercise pride and, and got kicked out of heaven. So he attacks us and he wants to destroy us at every single chance that he gets. Every single moment of the day, he's looking and plotting and scheming for how, for how he can destroy us. So when we have Holy Spirit operating in our lives, don't think that that target gets any bigger than what it is when you became saved. It doesn't. The target stays the same. But having Holy Spirit active in your life allows you to be much more victorious than what you would be without him being active in your life. And that helps us to be a well-rounded, excuse me, a well-rounded Christian. Okay, that helps us to become a well-rounded believer. Holy Spirit's presence does not make the target bigger. It gives us more strength. It gives us more peace. It gives us more comfort. It gives us more truth. And it also allows us to seek repentance. That's what it is. When I say it, that's what I mean. His presence and, 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 and being active in our lives, that is what uh, allows us to be much more victorious than what, we, than what we can be. We also need to study the Bible and act accordingly. Turn to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. And we're going to go to verse number 12. Hebrews 4, verse 12. And actually, let's go. Let's go to verse number 9. Hebrews 4, verse number 9. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. 
For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him, uh, uh, open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Okay, so what we see here is that the studying of the word is important because it cuts through all of the nonsense. It cuts through all of the noise. It cuts through all of the deception and the deceit and the, the, the misinformation or the, the overabundance of information and not being able to, 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 to know what's truth and, and, and what's not. The word of God cuts through all of that. And it cuts very, 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 very deep. And in the book of James, the book of James talks about being not just being a hearer of the word, but of being a being a doer of the word as, as well. So when we are well-rounded believers, we recognize that the word of God, if we're studying it, it's going to cut to the heart of the matter. Whatever it is that we that we're, we're talking about, whatever subject it is, whatever it is that's going on in our lives, the word of God studying it is going to cut to the heart of that. And it's also going to cut to the heart of what we need to change in ourselves as well. See, people don't read God's word at times and they don't want to study it because it's going to reveal some some things about them that need to change. And it's happened to every single one of us. It doesn't matter how long you've been walking with the Lord. As you walk with the Lord and as you study the word some more, you'll start to see that, oh, man, there's some things I need to do differently. There's some things I need to say differently. This thing that there's changes that are needed within me. And the word of God cuts right through that. All right. When you think about bone marrow, that's where your blood cells are created. And without that bone marrow, you could actually die. The word of God cuts so deep that it can create something new within your spirit. That's why it doesn't always feel good. Okay. So bone marrow, that deep, that's where your blood cells are actually created. And so I love this illustration here because the word of God gets that deep because it creates something new within us. Okay. It creates something new within us. It creates a new desire for us to follow God. It creates new behaviors. It creates new speech. It creates new actions. It creates new thoughts and new mind and, and, and a renewed mind. But we have to allow it to do that. We can't read it and then say, oh, that hurt too much. That cut too deep. I'm not going to bother with it. I can't read anymore. And this is where earlier when I was talking about how people can 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 twist scripture to, 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 to suit their lifestyle versus changing their lifestyle to match the word of God. That's usually why, because as they start to read, they'll see that, Oh, there's something deep inside of me that I need to deal with. And I don't want to deal with it. I, I, I want to be a child of God, but I don't want to change anything that I do. I want to be a Christian and I want to keep doing everything that I'm doing. I don't want to do anything more. I want to do matter of fact, I would love to even do less. I would love to even do less. But the word of God cuts through the heart of that. Okay. As we read earlier, being a, a part of being a well-rounded Christian means that we have a changed mind, but it also means that we must change our behavior. And as I said, the reason people avoid some areas in scripture, because it opens their eyes to a truth that they don't want to accept. What the Bible calls sin is sin, whether you like it or not, whether you like it or not, whether you agree with it or not. 
And this is where we see tolerance, if you will, and acceptance by some Christians of ungodly lifestyles because we don't want to offend someone by saying, I'm sorry, but your actions that you're taking aren't grounded in Scripture. It's not grounded in the Word of God. That action is abominable according to the Word of God. It's an abomination according to Scripture. All sin, it doesn't matter what sin it is, is an abomination to God. That's what Scripture says. God puts the thief, the, 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 the liar, the murderer, the homosexual, the pedophile, all of those acts, the actions that all of those people commit are sin. And in God's eyes, all of them are, all those actions are abominations. But he also loves every single one of those individuals. And if those individuals would turn their life over to Christ and repent, and ask Jesus to come in their heart, he will forgive them of all of those sins. But in God's eyes, there's no uh, uh, level one through level 10 type sin. In God's eyes, a sin is a sin. The only sin that holds more weight over others is the unpardonable sin that I talked about earlier. That's the only one that you can't be forgiven of. But any other sin you can be forgiven of, and in God's eyes, it's all the same. You don't have to like it. You don't have to agree with it. And there's many people out there that are even Christians that won't agree with that because of the division that it'll cause between them and potentially somebody that they know or somebody that they care about or that they'll be looked at differently because they say, sorry, but I don't agree with same sex marriage because the word of God says that marriage is between one man and one woman. I sorry, I don't agree with the fact that a man can change back and forth between man and a woman because God did not make people to be able to change their sexes. A man is a man always based off of how they were born and a woman is a woman always based off of how they are formed or how they were born. It does not matter what you think in your head or what somebody's going to tell you. That's the way God designed it. A man is a man, a woman is a woman and marriage is between one man and one woman. That's it. Anything outside of that is not based on scripture. It is not biblical. And anyone that is acting outside of those boundaries is committing sin and is committing an abomination. But it does not mean that God doesn't love them. And it does not mean we as children of God don't love them as well. We love them. God loves them. They have to repent of that sin and accept Jesus Christ into their life. And if they do that, their, 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 their lifestyles will change. They will do a complete 180 away from that, away from that sin. All right. But that's part of the reason why people do not want to get deep into scripture because it cuts deep. But we cannot expect to be well-rounded Christians if we aren't willing to do what scripture tells us to do. Okay. If we're not willing to do what the word of God says, we cannot be the well-rounded believer. Okay. We just go about kind of playing Christian. We're pretending we're a Christian. We treat it like a light switch. One day I'm a Christian and the next day I'm not. Or one moment I am, the next moment I am. It's really driven by external forces. Who am I hanging out with? What do I really want to do? Okay. We can't be a well-rounded believer if we're not willing to be obedient to what scripture says. The next area that we need to make sure, or the next thing we need to make sure we're doing is we need to make sure that we are praying constantly. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And we're going to go to verse number 14. And I'm actually going to read this from the Amplified Bible. Okay. So 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 14. This is coming from the Amplified. We earnestly urge you believers, admonish those who are out of line 
the undisciplined, the unruly, the disorderly. Encourage the timid who lack spiritual courage. Help the spiritually weak. Be very patient with everyone, always controlling your temper. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek that which is good for one another and for all people. Rejoice always and delight in your faith. Be unceasing and persistent in prayer. Underline that. Be unceasing and persistent in prayer. In every situation, no matter what the circumstances, be thankful and continually give thanks to God, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench, subdue, or be unresponsive to the work, working of, and guidance of the Holy Spirit. So there we see Holy Spirit again there. Right? Do not scorn or reject gifts of prophecy or prophecy, spoken revelations, words of instruction or exhortation or warning. But test all things carefully so you can recognize what is good. Hold firmly to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Withdraw, keep, withdraw and keep away from it. So a lot of things there, okay? Verse 17, be unceasing and persistent in prayer. Prayer needs to be constant, not a one, one and done thing. Prayer needs to be constant. When we aren't praying constantly or praying at all, not only are we cutting off lines of communication to God, but we're also establishing unbelief. And the reason is, is because prayer doesn't always have, make things happen right now immediately it takes time for those things to happen and we know from some very familiar scriptures and those of you that have heard me preach before have heard me refer to daniel a lot where daniel was praying and the angel said daniel the angel uh, god heard your prayer but the prince of persia withstood me 21 days until the archangel michael helped me that is a clear indication that it takes time for prayer the answer prayer to make itself manifest in the physical world but as soon as you stop praying, what you have basically done is said, I give up on praying because prayer doesn't work. How many times do we hear tragedy strike and people say, well, we'll keep you in our thoughts and prayers. Our thoughts and prayers with you are with you. And the response to that is we don't want your prayers. We need action. Now, we know the word of God says that faith without works is dead. So prayer with faith and the appropriate action is make makes things happen. But sometimes that action that you need to do is to simply pray. Sometimes the action God wants you to take is to just simply pray. Praying is action because we are not called to fight every single battle that is happening out there. Each and every single one of us individually will fight battles according to what God wants us to fight. And sometimes the way God wants you to fight that battle is to just sit back and say, you just pray about it and let it be. There's nothing else that I need you to do. So when we don't pray, and if we're not praying constantly, we're going to allow um, doubt to set in. You might have to pray multiple times before a situation resolves itself. But each prayer that is sent up with faith weakens the forces of darkness that are preventing your victory. Okay, Every prayer you sent up starts to weaken those forces of darkness that are preventing your victory. Now, I personally believe, based off of what the book of Daniel says about the Archangel Michael coming, uh, um, after 21, after 21 days, I believe that as we pray, God starts to dispatch more and more angels to that situation to fight those forces of darkness. Okay. Now I'm not going to get into a whole lot at this point about spiritual warfare. Uh, um, but that scripture shows that angels are not all powerful. And we know that the only one that's all powerful is God. So as angels are battling, they aren't always instantly winning that victory. 
they're going up against forces of darkness that may be stronger than them. That's why, again, in the book of Daniel, he said, hey, the archangel Michael came and helped me. That's why. And now I'm bringing you this message. But he had 21 days of a battle before that message could be delivered. So I believe that that's what God does. The more and more we pray, the more he can dispatch angels to deal with that situation in his in his timing. We must learn to pray with fervency to become a well-rounded believer as well. Fervency doesn't mean that you are shouting and hooting and hollering as you're praying, but it means that there's a fire in your spirit that burns while you pray and that there's an unwavering faith knowing that your prayer was answered as soon as you sent it up. That's pr praying in, with, with, with fervor in your spirit. So if we're praying constantly and we're praying with fervency. You can see how God will do some amazing things that you that will just knock your socks off. Things that you never you never imagined would happen. Okay. But we must pray constantly. To be a well-rounded believer, we should also be seeking spiritual gifts. Turn to the book of 1 Corinthians. And we're going to go to chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 12, verse number 5. And then in previous scriptures there, we saw the mentioning of, 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 of gifts there. We saw, we saw it just touched on. But well, we're going to look at what these what, what scripture says about spiritual gifts. First uh, Corinthians chapter 12. And actually, let's go to verse number four. There there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences in, of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Underline that is given to each one for the profit of all, not some, but the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit to another, the word of knowledge through the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another, the gifts of healings by the same spirit to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit, underline, but one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now, there are many that will say these gifts aren't for today. Okay, These gifts were done away with. I've heard some say that these gifts were done away with when Jesus was 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 resurrected, which is is interesting in and of itself, considering that this was uh, written after Jesus was resurrected. These gifts are in operation today. These gifts still apply today. Notice something, though, in verse number seven at the end there, it says. The spirit is given manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Desiring spiritual gifts must be done in order to benefit others, not yourself. Okay, that's why it's called a gift. When you give somebody a gift, you're giving them something that's going to benefit them. So when you're seeking out the spiritual gifts, you should be doing it. And we and it's a requirement that we are doing it to profit others that are around us, not to be used for our own gain or our selfish purposes. Okay, our own selfish purposes. I've known of people that will say they have a gift of prophecy 
And when they go to prophesy, they make it all about them. They don't make it anything about God. And, and they want people just following and flocking after them and, and say, oh, I got this powerful word of word from the Lord to give you. And I prophesy this and I prophesy that. And they got these crowds and crowds of people following them everywhere they go. They're not doing it for God's purpose. Now, I'm not saying that somebody with the gift of prophecy is not doing it for God's purpose. All right. But there are plenty. There are many out there. And this is where you, you, you definitely have to use some some wisdom in, in, in seeking God and about where to go and who to talk to, because there are those out there that would not be using it for God's purposes. OK, there would be some out there using it for their own selfish, their own selfish desires. All right. So we must be seeking after these things to serve others and not ourselves. Seeking after these gifts is where a lot of Christians won't go. They become afraid that the target on their backs, like having Holy Spirit operate in their lives, becomes bigger. Or that they flat out, they just don't believe that these gifts are for today. Having spiritual gifts, just like having Holy Spirit operating in your life, just like being obedient to the word of God, doesn't make the target on your back any bigger. It makes you stronger in your ability to fight the spiritual battles that you are going to be facing. Doesn't make the target any bigger. The target is the same size. It doesn't change a thing. And these gifts are in operation today if we are willing to seek them. And that helps us to become a well-rounded, a well-rounded believer, because now we can use these gifts to benefit other people. We can prophesy to benefit others. We can give words of wisdom to benefit others, healings and the benefit of others. And all of these things are, are, are driven by Holy Spirit. All of these things are driven by Holy Spirit. So if we can allow ourselves to seek after spiritual gifts and use them to benefit others, we start to become a more well-rounded believer because now we're tapping into things that God wants to give us. Okay. It's another reason why it's called a gift, because this is something God wants to give us. But God can't give you something if you don't believe it. God can't give you something if you don't believe it. Last scripture here, as we as we get ready to close this out. As a well-rounded believer, we must also engage in spiritual warfare. Turn to Luke chapter 10. Luke 10, verse 17. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Jesus is warning them there not to rejoice because the the spirits are subject to you, because rejoicing in that manner will puff us up in pride. Then it no longer becomes about Holy Spirit's power working in us and working through us, but it becomes about me, 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 me. It's no longer about Holy Spirit. It's no longer about God. It's no longer about Jesus. It becomes about us. So Jesus is warning them, do not rejoice that they're subject to you, but be happy because your name is written in the book of life. In essence, is what he's saying, that your names are written in heaven. Okay. Um, At some point now, understand something there. At some point, spiritual warfare will come knocking at your door. Don't ignore it. At some point, you will find yourself in a spiritual war. Now, by nature of us becoming Christians, there, there, there's, there's this warfare happening all around us and we are in, in this. 
But there are times when your life is just nice and smooth, nothing is going wrong, and then there's times when something is going to hit you in your gut, if it hasn't already. Spiritual warfare is part of being a child of God. Some will try to ignore it. Some will try to put their heads in the sand and think that the situation is just going to go away. It doesn't work that way, saints of God. It doesn't work that way at all. Jesus just told them, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. So there's no reason for us to be fearful about spiritual gifts. There's no reason for us to be fearful about having Holy Spirit operating in our lives. There's no reason for us to be fearful of taking a stand for God when everyone else wants to, to, to take what's right and make it wrong and what's wrong and make it right. There's no need for us to have any of that kind of fear because we have the authority over all the power of the enemy. All right. We have authority over all the power of the enemy. When spiritual warfare comes knocking on the door, the first thing you should do is like Jesus said, is do what Jesus said here. And remember that your name is being written, has been written in the book of life. And that's a reason to celebrate a victory that's on the way. Spiritual warfare comes knocking at your door. You get that gut punch. Remember right away that, wait a second. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I have eternity that I'm going to be spending in heaven where I'm not going to have to deal with any of this anymore. I'm going to rejoice for that. Now, as you start to rejoice, as you start to rejoice, you can then thank God for your name being written in the book of life. As you then begin to pray, as you then to begin to ask him what you should do about that particular situation. Doing this will also put you in a place to focus on God and not the problem. After that, you'll be ready for battle. Okay. After that, you'll be ready for battle. The reason why so many saints of God are fearful and, and try to avoid warfare is because they think they're going to lose. They forget who they are in Christ Jesus. They forget how powerful all God, almighty God is. They forget the authority that we have in the name of Jesus by being a child of God. That we can call on the name of the Lord and that we will be saved. That there's nothing that the enemy could throw our way that is going to hurt us. We forget that very quickly. But if we remember that we have citizenship in heaven when all of this is said and done, and that our names are written in heaven when all of this is said and done, that we'll spend eternity with the Lord, if we can remember that at the time that warfare comes knocking, it'll change quickly our mindset. It will quickly change our mindset and our focus to get away from the actual battle and to focus on God and let God guide us on what we should do. In order to be a well-rounded Christian, we must do more than the routine of just praying, reading the Bible, going to church. We must examine our lives from all angles to make sure we are applying all aspects of scripture to our lives. While this is a lifelong journey, God will be with us every step of the way. God will be with us every step of the way. And God wants us to be well-rounded believers. He doesn't want us to just have a, a, a surface level knowledge of him. He wants us to have a deep knowledge. He wants us to have a broad knowledge. And he wants us not to just have the knowledge in our heads, but he wants us to also act based off of the knowledge that we have. If we just act based off of what the word of God tells us to do, we will have so much, vic much more victory in our lives. The things that hit us, that, that, that will hit you in the stomach and take your breath away, if you will, those things won't last as long. We'll be able to just move on from that. We'll be able to just pray and give it to God and get our focus on him because the devil wants you to focus on the problem. He wants you to focus on the problem. God wants you to focus on him. So when that spiritual warfare comes knocking, 
you have a choice. You focus on the problem, which is what the devil wants you to focus on, or do you focus on God, which is what God wants you to focus on. And as you start to do that, and as you start to examine your life and, and your all aspects of your life uh, to become a well-rounded believer, the level of victories that you have will be, you'll, you'll reach levels that you, <laughs> of victories, if you will, that you probably never imagined that you could. And at the end of the day, the most important thing about all of that is that God then gets the glory through your testimony. Well, praise God. I hope this message was a blessing to you. And before we close, let's pray. Dear Lord God, I want to thank you again for these words that came forth, Lord. And I want to thank you again for this opportunity to share your word, Lord God. I pray for, I want to pray for everyone that is, that has heard this message, Lord God, that you would, that you would help us to examine all aspects of our lives, Lord God, that you would point out to everyone where it is that we may be lacking so that we can speedily fix those areas with you so that we can become well-rounded believers, Lord God, and, and that we can have victory in our lives that we've never seen before, Lord God, that you may move in our lives in ways that we've never seen as well, Lord God, so that you may get the glory and the honor and the praise. Lord, I pray that you would keep everyone safe, Lord, and I pray that you would continue to provide for each and every single one of us, and I thank you for your tender, loving, loving mercies and all that you've done and all that you're going to do. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Well, praise God. Again, I hope this message was a blessing to you. And if it was, feel free to pass this on to friends, family, and loved ones, and even anyone that uh, might be in opposition to you. We can be found at genesis1.sermon.net. And if you click on the subscribe button on the upper right-hand portion of the screen over there, you'll get notifications every time new content is posted. You can also find us at Genesis One Christian Ministries on YouTube. And we also have an app in the Google Play Store and the Apple App Store. Everything, all of our content is made absolutely free of charge so that you can access it because we just want to make the word of God available to all that are, that, that are seeking. Well, praise God. I pray that you go in his peace and that you go in his blessings and that you go in a renewed strength after listening to this message. And that you can also remember that you can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. Praise God and stay blessed. Here we are. Thank you, Lord. In your prayer.